Praise the Lord. He is alive.
Amen. <laughs> oh, yeah. That we stand in the power of you today in the risen Christ, the one who lived and died and rose again on this day almost 2,000 years ago. And so, God, we celebrate you today in a way where we thank you for your son and we thank you for the spirit that you left with us that you promised would be here. So, God in heaven, the one who's created everything and put the moon and the stars in place, we worship you. Jesus, the one who has been the portion and the absolution for our sin, we worship you. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here today with us that reminds us that you are here and that you will never leave us or forsake us with what you said, Jesus, in your scriptures before you left this earth. So we ask your blessing on us today, uh, not that we deserve it, but Lord, we only want to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. So God, speak to us today with the things that you desire to say, and uh, we'll be careful to listen as we worship and as we celebrate you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. My name's Billy. I'm the worship pastor here. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. If it's your first time with us, we're so thankful you're here. So we do a little something. Uh, we shake some people's hands and say hi to people, a few people around us. Uh, do, let's do that and tell them happy Easter. Thanks. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, I too want to welcome you to Hopevale and wish you a happy Easter. I'm Dan Davis, a senior pastor here at Hopevale, and for centuries, Christians on this Easter day have greeted one another with a very simple exchange of words. It goes something like this. The first person says he is risen. The second person responds, he is risen indeed. So let's do that together. He is risen. He's risen, risen indeed. indeed. And indeed, the message that Jesus is risen is the greatest news ever that we're celebrating today. If you're uh, visiting with us, if you're a first-time guest, we want to extend a special welcome to you. So glad you're here. As a matter of fact, we have a welcome gift for you. After the service at our Welcome Center, we have some popcorn treats, anywhere from plain white to Multicolored, anything in between, all right? The only deal is you gotta wait to the end of the service, okay? But this is our way of saying thanks for popping by, so there you go. I don't write them, I just read them, okay? Yeah. We're gonna continue our worship through the act of giving. I'm gonna ask that our ushers come forward and. Again, if you're visiting with us, we don't want you to feel any pressure to give as the plates pass by. If you'd like to, that's great. But we just wanted to extend this opportunity of giving to our church family. We believe that everything we do in this service is an act of worship, whether it's the songs we sing or the gifts we give. And boy, if there is any Sunday that we want to give out of a heart of gratitude and joy, today is that day, Easter Sunday. So with that in mind, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. Lord, as we have declared through song today, Jesus, you are risen indeed, and that our hope, our life, our strength, everything that makes us who we are comes in Christ alone. And so God, thank you. Thank you that we get to sing about that and celebrate that together. Thank you for the people who have woken up early, prepared, driven here to be in this place at this time. God, there are, there's, there's no mistake, there's, there's no coincidence that all of us are in this room for such a time as this. And so we believe that Jesus, you are alive, 
Holy Spirit, we believe your presence is real in this place, and so we pray that you would meet with us. And that what we're doing today is not just going through the motions or fulfilling an annual ritual, but that it's a powerful encounter with the risen Christ. And that's our desire. And so whether it's our songs, it's the word shared, it's these gifts, we just, we want to meet with you in a new and a fresh way. So do that in our midst. We give you these gifts as our act of worship, proclaiming the song that rings out throughout the generation that's being celebrated all over this globe, that Jesus Christ is risen and that he is alive. We pray in his powerful, victorious name. Amen. So let's go ahead and remain seated while we give. You know, singing and retelling the story of our faith is why we gather. That's what brings us here today to do just that. So let's worship together as Adam leads us in singing this story of our faith. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus paid and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. Savior on that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone. Sing it out. Okay. 
is transfixed on Jesus. What a pleasure it is to sing of your praise and to just to sing our appreciation of all that you've done. And what a great day it is to come to church and be reminded of all that you've done for us through your son. So ask, we ask your blessing today, all of us, on Pastor Dan as he prepares to speak. He's worked really hard to just meet with you and your scriptures and in your word and to really find what it is that uh, you have for us today, to remind us that there's hope and um, to remind us that you're good and to remind us that there's a place called home. Thank you, Lord, for that. And we look forward to what we're going to hear today. In Jesus' name, we all pray and say, amen. God bless you, gang. Go ahead and have a seat. I've been wrestling with purpose. What was I created for? I'm more than what you see on the surface. See beneath my skin and scars, I'm skinned and scarred, marred and twisted, scarred by the past I need to be lifted, and sometimes I question my own existence. What was I put here for? In my seams, it seems that there seems to be more. It's like I'm a light unplugged from the socket. I mean, do I really exist to put money in my pocket? This nine to five feels like a nine to nine. My mind entwined, I pass the time, life circles me as I wait. What is my estate? I feel like I was made for something great and yet I can't quite put my finger on it. But when I look at my fingers and I see their design, 
I realize I'm one of a kind and something created me. No, someone created me and that someone made me for a reason. Even though it's clear the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing, this calling that even in the midst of my falling, there was someone who died to pick me up, someone who rose to fix me up, someone who's coming back to lift me up. And that someone is Jesus. See, God made me for a purpose. And when I delight in him, it's brought to the surface. Woo! Powerful video indeed, you know, to think about the reason for our existence, to think about why we're even here in the first place. And we'll get back to those thoughts in a moment. But before that, I, I first want us to join in a tradition that we do every Easter here at Hopewell, and that's to walk through the Scripture's account of that very first Easter morning. And we want to do that as a responsive reading where I'll start and you'll respond. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to read through the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. I'll begin with the odd number verses. You'll respond with the even number verses in bold. So let's go ahead and do this together. I'll begin. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you, I was there. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And they remembered his words. Thank you. Well done. You can go ahead and have a seat. You know, throughout the centuries, the Christian church has celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday, and rightfully so. You know, everything that matters most about the Christian faith rises and falls with the miracle of Easter. And yet, you know, to read this passage by itself without any other context, it's like skipping to the end of a murder mystery novel just to see who actually committed the crime. I mean, it is kind of interesting, I guess, to see who done it, but you know, there's not really a punch to the story if you don't follow all the plot twists and turns that lead up to that final moment. And so it is with Easter. Because what we just read together was anything but a given for those who were living through that in real time. No, 2,000 years ago, this Jesus from the small town of Nazareth, the carpenter's son, the itinerant teacher, the miracle worker, he was unjustly convicted of crimes that he didn't commit. And they sentenced him to death, nailed him to a cross, crucified by the Romans like a death row criminal. And he just lasted six hours on that cross until his life gave way, whereby they removed his body down from the cross, wrapped it in burial linens, laid his listless corpse in a cave-like tomb. All of this taking place before the sun set on that gloomy Friday. Why did it happen? 
Why did this innocent man beloved by so many, why was he put to death like that? Well, the short answer is that as popular as Jesus was, he also rubbed certain people the wrong way. He did. Why these certain people viewed Jesus as a threat to the establishment. He was trying to disrupt the world as it had always been. And so when you look in the Beatitudes, and he makes statements like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Well, those in charge didn't take too kindly to those words, because that's not how the world is supposed to work. And so you had people like Herod, King Herod, the very wealthy ruler appointed by the Romans to oversee this region of that empire. You had Pontius Pilate, the power-hungry governor who could play the political game with the best of them. And then you had the high priest Caiaphas, the prestigious leader of the religious establishment who was more concerned about keeping his position than helping his people. The very wealthy, the very powerful, the very prestigious, they all conspired against Jesus and the hope of his gospel. As a matter of fact, there's even this passage in the Gospel of Luke, what we just read one chapter earlier, that spells out this very conspiracy. Luke chapter 23, verse 11, verse 12, take a look. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, speaking of Jesus. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. Now look at this. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Enemies. What's that saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend? That's what's going on here. Herod and Pilate and even Caiaphas, the high priest, they couldn't stand each other. They really couldn't, right? But they were willing to set aside their hatred long enough to find common ground to oppose Jesus and the threat that he represented. See, because if this kingdom of heaven that Jesus was preaching about, that his miracles were proving, that if this kingdom was actually to come to pass, then they'd all lose out. They'd all lose out. The wealth, the power, the prestige, all of it would be gone just like that. And so they were committed, right? to do whatever it took to keep the status quo, even if it meant sending an innocent man to his death. See, it's important you understand that dynamic, that opposition of what was going on, because that, it still happens today. That opposition 2,000 years later, that there are people, there are forces still at work trying to keep that same status quo trying to tell us what matters most in life and that they're the same things that mattered to Herod and Pilate and Caiaphas, right? That life is supposed to be about wealth and power and prestige and that these are the things that will make us happy and give us purpose. And so we go chasing after, after more money, more stuff, more status, more respect, more likes, more follows. What? To feel significance, to be important, to find that purpose we're searching for, right? What was I put here for? It seems, in my seams, that there seems to be more. I'm like a light unplugged from my socket. I mean, do I really exist to put money in my pocket? Wow, powerful words, right? This nine to five feels like nine to nine, my life intertwined. I pass the time. Life circles me as I wait. What is my estate? What is my estate? Why are we here? I don't know, you know, all of you personally, but I do know this. 
that we who inhabit this planet, we all have wrestled with empty feelings about purpose like this at one time or another. And so we look across the street, we, we look across the office, we, we, we look across the classroom, or we just stare into our phones, and we think, if only my life was more like theirs, if only I had what they had, then I would fill in the blank. I would be happy, I would be content, I would be fulfilled, instead of desperate, lonely, restless, right? It's the tale as old as time that we keep wanting what we do not have, we keep chasing after what we can't quite catch. And in the end, it wears us out and we just shrug our shoulders in resignation while it just is what it is, right? It is what it is. And you know what? I'd say you're absolutely right. It is what it is if Jesus had stayed dead and buried in that tomb. But he didn't. No, three days later, some women who had followed Jesus for years, women who wanted to believe that things could be different, that things would be different, they came to that tomb. They were going to honor Jesus. They were going to reapply some burial spices to his wrapped up body. But when they got there, the stone was rolled away. His body was gone and two angelic beings greeted, to them, greeted them and announced the greatest news ever. He is not here. He is risen. And with that resurrection, everything changed. Everything changed. The old order, the order of Herod and Pilate and Caiaphas, the old order of wealth and power and prestige, and everything else that promises life but only leads to death, all of it had been overthrown, and a new order had come to pass. The kingdom of heaven had now come. A new order filled with the good news of Jesus' life and love and hope and peace and freedom and forgiveness and everything else that he came to bring. The message of Easter is clear. This changes everything. Everything. That's why Easter is so pivotal. And here we are now. It's 2018 and Jesus indeed has defeated death. The war is over and yet the battle still rages on. It rages on. Here we are in this old order of wealth and power and prestige. They all still try to seduce us. They still try to get us to believe that they hold the key to life. You know, during his earthly life, Jesus recognized and he acknowledged just the reality, the severity of this struggle, of this battle, of us being pulled in different directions, right, in our search for meaning and purpose. And so he addresses this. And in these words, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, he says this. He says, the, the thief, the thief of the old order comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I have come, I have died, I have risen again, Jesus said, so that you, you might have life and have it to the full. There's another translation says that you might have life abundantly. Now back in Jesus' day, there were two Greek terms that are translated into our English word, life. One of them is the term bios. You probably recognize that. It's where we get words like biology, biography, right? Biochemistry. Bias has to do life with simply as in biological existence, physical being. Our heart is pumping, our blood is flowing, our brain is working. That's one way to talk about life, bias life. But that's not the term Jesus uses here. No, he uses the other Greek term for life, and that's zoe. 
Zoe. And, and Zoe speaks more about meaning and purpose and fulfillment and everything else we've been talking about today, right? And so don't miss what I'm about to say here. That Jesus gave up his bias life so that we could experience Zoe life. Jesus gave up his physical body so that we could know and experience true, lasting, deep Zoe life, life to the full, abundant life, forgiven life, eternal life, life everlasting in the kingdom of God where we're not just passing the time, we're not just going through the motions, but where we sense deep within, now this, yeah, this right here is the life I was created for. See, that's why Jesus came, that's why Jesus died, and that's why Jesus rose again, so that you might have this life and have it to the full. But, but just as Herod and Pilate and Caiaphas all tried to stand in the way of Jesus and the capital L life that he came to bring, there is still a spiritual enemy today. There is a thief, Satan himself, who wants to steal and kill and destroy and distract and deceive and do whatever it takes to keep us from the life that Jesus offers and the salvation that he brings. And I realize that the mention of Satan in the year 2018 might come across, you know, as old-fashioned, narrow-minded, and superstitious. But let's face it, the evidence is still there, isn't it? That there are still people today running after the promise of life under the old order of things, running after wealth and power and prestige, only to come up empty and wanting more time and time again. And maybe that's your story, right? Running, chasing, and when you get it, it only destroys you. Why? Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to distract, to deceive. Jesus says, I came that you might have life, capital L life, and have it to the full. He gave up his life on the cross, was raised to new life three days later so that you and I can know and experience the capital L life that we were always meant to enjoy. I feel like I was made for something great, right? Remember the video? And yet I can't quite put my finger on it. And yet when I look at my fingers, when you look at your fingers, I see their design, I realize I'm one of a kind and something created me, no, someone created me. And that someone made me for a reason. And that even though it's clear that the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing that even in the midst of my falling, there was someone who died to pick me up, there's someone who rose to fix me up, there's someone who's coming back to lift me up and that someone is Jesus. See, God made me, God made you for a purpose, and when we delight in him, that is brought to the surface. And so in our search for something different, something better, something more, Jesus offers us the real change we're looking for. Not the fool's gold, not the false promises that only lead to death. No, the change that he offers is the change we need. That's why the miracle of Easter that happened 2,000 years ago still ties all the way to the reality of our lives today because Jesus is still in the business of offering hope for everyone, everyone including you, because Easter changes everything. And I realize in saying this, I'm talking to a group of people today who are coming from so many different places in their spiritual journey, right? Some of you are here today because you had to be here, right? Church isn't normally your thing, but someone, you know, family member, friend, significant other dragged you along. I get that. It happens, right? Some of you are here today because you felt like you needed to be in church, right? Because after all, it's Easter, right? And that's what you're supposed to do. And some of you came 
Because you're looking, you're searching, those very things I've been talking about today that have to do with capital L life, those things of meaning, those things of purpose, they've been gnawing at your soul and you thought that maybe, just maybe there might be something here for you today. Others of you, you're here today as a step back, as a return, because church has been part of your past, but you've been drifting for a while. And something nudged you inside that you needed to get back. And then the others of you, you're, you're here today because that's what you normally do on a Sunday, right? You're not here because you're perfect. No, you're far from it, just like the rest of us. But you do have a genuine and sincere faith in Jesus Christ, a faith that, if it's like mine, falters and flickers at times. And so you just needed to be here to be encouraged and reminded about what you already know to be true. And those are just some of the possible places where you might be coming from. You know, maybe you fit into a different kind of spiritual category that's hard to describe. Whatever it is, wherever you're here, the solution to what you're looking for is the same. And that solution is a hope for everyone because he, Jesus, is risen. And so how do you make that hope personal, right? How do you make it your own? Well, ultimately, it's a matter of faith. Wholehearted faith and absolute trust in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, this supernatural Savior who died on the cross for you in your place because of your sins and then rose again victoriously three days later. And that this belief is more than just acknowledging that Jesus is a Savior, that he is one of many ways to know God and find purpose, and that he's even more than just the Savior to you, right? And that there is no other. No, true, saving, genuine faith isn't simply knowing the facts about Easter in your head. It's about opening your heart. It's about personally responding to Jesus and calling him your Savior. The Apostle Paul, who was one of the leaders in the first century Christian church and also the primary writer of the New Testament, says this is how the hope becomes personal. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven, your guilt will be erased, you'll be reconciled back to God, and you will discover the capital L life you've been desperately searching for. I mean, I truly believe that some of you here today on this Easter Sunday, April 1st, 2018, that this is the time God has planned for you to respond in faith and to come to know Jesus personally as your Savior. So don't miss that moment to call on Jesus and say, Jesus, be my Savior. For others of you, maybe I've just dumped the truck. This is a lot for you to process. I get that. So maybe your response is simply to take some kind of step towards Jesus this Easter. Some kind of stuff. Maybe it's talking to a friend you came with after the service and just asking questions about what you've heard and experienced. Maybe for some of you, it's coming back to Hope L on another Sunday and giving it another shot and just being open to what happens next. Or maybe for others of you, it's going home and just in the privacy of your room, throwing up a simple prayer to God and saying, God, show me that you're real. Whatever it is, I encourage you, with all that you've experienced today, to take some kind of step towards Jesus this Easter. For others of us, who know Jesus personally as our Savior, I pray that it fuels your faith, that today's service encourages your heart to keep on going and following Jesus fully 
as your Lord. Whatever your response might be this Easter, don't ever forget these three simple words. He is risen. He is risen because this is the good news that changes everything. Everything because now there is a life that's stronger than death. There is a hope that's stronger than anything we'll ever face in this life. That's why we sing and that's why we celebrate this Easter. And so with that good news, let me wrap up with one last Bible passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, also written by the Apostle Paul. He says this, that if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has personal saving faith in Jesus, he, she is a new creation, a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. See, Jesus changes everything. He changes us the moment we truly believe we are made brand new. In an instant, starting from the inside out. Now, there's still a lifelong journey of how those changes come to pass and the way we think and talk and feel and act. I get that. But our standing before God, our identity as people, those are transformed in an instant. God wipes our slate clean. He gives us a fresh start, and we become a new creation in Jesus Christ. There is a hope for everyone because in the end, life is not about what you do. Life is not about how much you have. Life is not about what other people think of you. No, what's most important is simply this, who you are. Who you are that because of Jesus, because of, because of his victory over death, he invites you to become a new creation both now and forever. And so in a moment, I want to lead us in prayer. And then after that, we're going to celebrate this capital L life. We're going to rejoice in the new creations we've become with a song called Who You Say I Am. And before we get to that song, we're going to show you on the screen just some of the truths from Scripture that God says is true about you because you know Jesus, that he is your Savior, and that he has made you brand new. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, on behalf of everyone here, I just want to pray a prayer of gratitude, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of faith saying, thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to life again, for conquering death and sin and everything else that tries to keep us from knowing our God. Father, may we respond this Easter for some who need to cross the line of faith. May today be the day where they acknowledge Jesus as their Savior. Jesus, be my Savior. May that be the cry of their heart. For the rest of us, just show us what that step is. That we would not walk away here today unaffected, but that we would make some movement of faith towards you, Jesus. And step even deeper into the capital L life that you came to bring. And God, thank you that when we know that life personally, it changes us from the inside out. We become new creations in Christ. And the lies that we're fed, the lies we believe are torn down and replaced by the truths of who you say we are. So encourage our hearts, strengthen our faith. We pray in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Yes, he died 
like a word you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. For I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. I was your phone, still your love far from me. You have been so, so good to me. I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. Easter story, the story of God's great love for you through his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is risen. He's risen indeed. So glad you joined us today. I want to invite you back 
next week for another wonderful Sunday of worship. But as you go from here, may you know, may you experience, may you deeply feel the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love that our God has for you. God bless you. Have a happy Easter.